No success in the world can compensate for failure in the home. That's why Club Wealth was founded, to help driven, successful, and busy real estate agents like you double their business while building a strong, balanced home life. Join us each week as high-producing agents and team leaders share their stories and unpack the principles and systems they've used to double, triple, and even quadruple their business while enjoying greater quality of life. And now, here's the latest episode of Club Wealth TV. Guys, we might be live right now. I think we're live. I think it's working. Yay. All right. So uh, we never know with Zoom and Facebook if they're going to play well together, but apparently they are at least for the time being playing well together. So folks, my name is Michael Hellickson. I am one of the coaches here at Club Wealth Coaching and Consulting. And uh, we do a lot of these, what we call Club Wealth TV episodes. And, uh, you know, our whole thing here is that we're not pitching anything. We're not trying to sell you on anything. We're just trying to bring a lot of value to people. And uh, so with me today are two of our esteemed coaches. We've got, of course, Mr. Brian Curtis, Coach Brian Curtis, who is the Oracle of Bentonville uh, in uh, Bentonville, Arkansas. So this is a, a gentleman who consistently uh, closes over 300 transactions a year. Uh, so apparently uh, Brian knows a thing or two about real estate and has for, is, like Doug here has forgotten more about real estate than most of us will ever know. So uh, super glad to have Brian as my co-host yet again. And uh, then of course, today's guest is Coach Doug Holiday, who's to my left here. Uh, and Coach Doug is our wealth creation coach at Club Wealth. And uh, essentially what that means is his role, well, actually, I want to let him explain that role in just a second. Um, but understand that at Club Wealth, we're all about, it's not just about making money. You know, we're all about you making money. We want you to make money. We, we really want you to have a lot of success. But in addition to making money, what we really, really want is we want you to keep more of the money you make. We want you to be able to set yourself up for retirement. Uh, and that's sometimes easier said than done. But uh, if you follow the practices that Doug's going to teach us today, uh, it can be fairly straightforward. So that being said, uh, Doug, to go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about what it means to be the Club Wealth, Wealth Creation Coach. Okay. First of all, I want to start out and talk about why I – uh, and somewhat qualified to do what I do. I, I, by the way, I would say a lot more than somewhat. Uh, so, and that's actually good. I'm glad you're going to mention that. Uh, go ahead. Actually, before I left high school, I started my first business. Um, in fact, I, I love starting businesses. I, I started to build businesses and sell businesses. And that's kind of what I did until about the age of 35. And I, and I retired. Um, the problem is, is that retirement and uh, myself didn't look good together. Uh, we tried to hang out and it just wasn't happening. So consequently, uh, one of the things that I did is I found out that I was really, really, really good at trading stocks. And uh, I was making literally millions of dollars in the stock market until I wasn't. And, uh, and so all the money that I had amassed in, in, you know, in my brokerage accounts, I, um, I, I was literally gambling, but I didn't know I was gambling. And in the uh, late nineties, if, if anybody lived through that, uh, we saw some horrendous, um, downturn in the stock market. In fact, um, I was, I was watching my portfolio lose 
you know, half a million dollars a day. It literally took about three weeks to wipe me out. Now, a lot of people say, well, why didn't you get out? The problem, the problem is, is that we're, we're all eternal optimists and I'm probably a, uh, the worst about being an optimist. I'm, I'm optimistic about everything. Um, that was my first failure in life, and it was devastating. But being the optimist that I was, I thought, okay, I can, I can redo this. I can start over. So I built yet another business and also became a, a licensed real estate agent at the time. Um, my, next, my next venture was that besides you know, still creating a few businesses, I started to amass properties and, and I uh, built about uh, a portfolio of about 40 different properties with a combination of, of uh, commercial and residential. And uh, I was doing at the time really well in real estate and in, you know, from the years uh, 2005 to about 2007, I was doing uh, well, 2008 actually. I was doing about uh, a million and a half to a million seven GCI. And so I was out buying up literally subdivisions and we bought a land and I shouldn't, I need to back up a little bit. We didn't buy land. We, we purchased it with the help of banks. So I was leveraging my way into all of these properties. Well, by uh, 2011, I was pretty much, uh, had gone through my fortune. Um, as a result, my wife and I, you know, everybody that we knew was taking out bankruptcy. And so we went to see our own uh, bankruptcy attorney and sat down with him and really felt good about maybe this is the move that we needed to do so that we could get a fresh start and start over again. Uh, went home that night, uh, got on knees, prayed about it, felt really good about it, woke up the next morning and said, I can't do that. That's not me. I can't walk away from my problems. So I went to work and I went, I went to the banks and I started negotiating for lower interest rates and whatnot. And, and I, had, uh, I had probably, well, in fact, every bank decided at first that they were going to work with us. And then halfway through uh, what we were doing, I had one bank that took 10 properties back and said, um, you know, unfortunately the right hand didn't know what the left hand was doing. And uh, the foreclosure process, uh, I lost 10 homes. But it was a real eye, eye opener for me because I, I thought to myself, why in the world, you know, could I amass millions of dollars 10 years ago? And I lost it. And then here I am again, I had amassed millions of dollars in, in uh, uh, equities, and it was back down to zero. I could not understand what I was doing wrong. Um, I thought I was disciplined. The problem was is that I had my priorities all mixed up. As a result of having my priorities all mixed up, I, I wasn't focused on wealth creation. I was focused on getting rich. And, and I learned a, a number of things during that process. And it's, and it's taken, about, I, I guess, about eight years now uh, to get me back to the point that I was. In fact, I'm actually better off now than I have been 
in my entire life. And the reason is, is because I took all of the things that I learned and how do we learn? We learn by the mistakes that we make. And so I took all of those mistakes and, and analyzed them and thought, what in the world do I need to do to not only build, but maintain the wealth that I've created? And, and I, I think the key word there was that I really was focused on riches in the beginning, where I realized that part of my problem was is that I was not focused on wealth. And as a result, I sat down and, and worked out some things, did a lot of reading, um, restarted to return to my core values, and, and started looking at the things that I had left out. And unfortunately, I had left out a big part of my family. Um, or a big part of my life, which was my family. I was, I was, I was a terrible father. I was a terrible husband. Uh, I was working all the time. Um, I wasn't listening to the people around me who always told me, Dad, why are you doing that? What are you, you know, why are you putting yourself through this? So I realized I needed to make some changes. And so I, once again, I returned to my core values. Um, one of the books that I'm going to tell you about right now is, is a book that I think that, that everybody should read if you haven't. And that is The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. That's probably the book that can help you return to core values faster than anything. The second book that I sat down and read was The uh, Four Laws of Debt-Free Prosperity. That's, that's the book. Um, and in fact, uh, the gentleman that wrote it licensed, uh, Stephen Covey, who wrote the seven habits of highly effective people, um, to do his own spin on the book. And so there's another book out there. I think that's called the four laws of prosperity, uh, that Stephen R. Covey, uh, titled and, and runs through his program. So either one of those books are really, really good books. And, and I love that book because it takes a, a real life scenario of a, a, of a gentleman through his life and, and, and really goes into how to fix the predicament that he was in. So I like that because as the club wealth coach, and I'll get into that in just a minute, uh, how that came about. Um, too often people call me and they're not calling me to say, Doug, um, I'm ready to create wealth. They're calling me saying, Doug, how do I save my business? And, and I think that that's, I mean, that's good. I, I'd rather have somebody call me and say, Doug, how do I save my business? Rather than, geez, Doug, um, I wish I'd have talked to you a month ago or two months ago or six months ago. Because I, I do get some of that as well. And part of that is understanding your business and i and i help people do that i can go through their their uh p l statement uh which is if anybody doesn't know what a p l statement is it's your per or profit and loss statement but more importantly most people don't ever look at their balance sheet they have no idea where they're at uh, a p l statement will show you where you're at at any given time but a balance sheet will, will reveal to you 
the trends of where you're going and where you've been. And you really need to pay attention to that and, and watch that because that's going to show you, you know, where your cash is going. Um, in, in basically, it's a picture of all of your accounts and the, in the trend line of your accounts. So very, very important to pay attention to both of those reports uh, from your accountant or uh, if anybody's using Quicken, you can pull off either one of those uh, at any given time. You know, one of the things real quick, I'll just type this in here now. If you guys, uh, for those of you that don't have a PNL, uh, there is a website. If you go to www.qbspecial, I'm typing this into, hang on one second, uh, .com. I'm typing this in. Uh, it's an app for your phone. It's really cool. Uh, essentially, all you do is you grab your phone, you upload this app, you connect it to your bank account uh, and your credit card statements. And uh, it's five bucks a month, right? And if you swipe left it, for business expense, swipe right for a personal expense, uh, you have an updated P&L all the time. This is really great, especially for people who do not have W-2 employees or only have maybe one W-2 employee. Uh, and uh, again, it's, it's inexpensive. It's five bucks a month and you get a profit and loss that's up to date all the time. Uh, the sad truth is that most of the agents watching this right now, and I know we've got a ton of people watching right now, uh, most of the people watching this right now probably don't have a profit and loss statement and uh, you need one. I mean, obviously, yeah. I mean, if, if you don't have a P&L, you don't know really truly what's happening in your business. You might have kind of an idea, but, um, and don't, what I don't want you to do is I don't want you to be intimidated by the P&L. It's not as hard as it seems to go through it. Once you get used to it and you kind of, you know, go through it a little bit, you can really go through even a fairly large P&L in about 15 to 20 minutes, you can kind of get through it and really kind of understand what's happening in your business. Um, and it really allows you to identify places where you can save money. And by the way, saving money is a lot more important than making more money, right? So as an example, Doug and I have talked in the past about if I want to go to dinner, right? So based on how much, um, yeah, I love it. Jeff Russell's like swipe left on every transaction because everything's a business expense. I love it. That's awesome. You're awesome, Jeff. Um, but think about this. Uh, if I want to go to dinner, if I want to spend $100 on dinner, based on the profitability of most real estate businesses and taxes and all the other expenses that you have, you essentially need to earn $366 in the typical real estate business to be able to spend $100 on dinner. That's crazy, right? So what's better? Is it better to go out and make a whole bunch more money or is it better to save money and, and, and avoid, for example, tax? Uh, which there's a difference between avoidance and evasion. Yes, right? there is. Yes. Uh, but uh, anyway, that said, uh, you know, it's really, really important that you guys understand your PL. So, Doug, keep going. You're on a roll. You're doing great. So, why am I a, a club wealth coach? And, and, you know, what is a wealth creation coach? One, I'm here at Club Wealth for two specific reasons. Number one is, to help those that are uh, in trouble. You know, it's not, not my first preference. I'd rather be somebody calling me saying, hey, Doug, I'm making a buttload of money and I just need to do it, know what to do with it. That would be my first choice. But we've got to get you to that point, right? And one thing that Club Wealth can do, Club Wealth can teach you absolutely teach you how to become go from a single agent to becoming a mega agent and having that problem of what do I do with the buttload of money that I'm making? 
the problem is, is that very few coaching programs ever teach you how to maintain that money and what to do with it and how to set yourself up for your, for, for retirement. Um, if, if you choose to retire, I, you know, I have to look at myself and say, Hey, will I ever retire again? I found out at the age of 35 that it's just not for me. I can see myself, I may be out of day-to-day production, so to speak. Uh, I've turned the business over to, to uh, Coach Garrett and uh, Coach Dustin, and I'm telling you, they are running with it, and it's awesome, and I love watching their success. Um, but it really does allow me the time to work with uh, Club Wealth members who, who need a little extra, who, who need help setting up their, their future. Um, one of the things that I always say is let's start with the end in mind. Um, and I have a little exercise I do at the live events. I'm not going to go into it here because it it, it wouldn't have the same effect, but, but you really need to think about your, your retirement, you know, or think about your death. What, what would you want somebody to say about you at your funeral? Um, what kind of a life did you lead? What kind of a legacy are you leaving behind? Mm-hmm. That's where I like to start because that's when we can start talking about true wealth rather than just riches. The problem with riches, I live next door to a, a gentleman who, who makes $5 million a year, but he's miserable. He's worried about what everybody thinks about him. He's worried about the economy. He's worried about taxes. He's worried about, he, he spreads his money around every bank in the valley. And the reason is, is because he, he's trying to save it. He's trying to keep it all insured. And the problem, he just cannot enjoy life because he's worried about who's going to take his money. He's worried about getting sued. You know, riches are elusive. As I found out, they're hard to hang on to. The tighter you squeeze, the, the, the more they go through your fingers. And they're never enough. The problem is, is that people are seeking riches. Hey, they'll crawl over everybody and everything to, to make them. And it doesn't matter how many they have. They want more. It's never enough. Yep. It does not bring satisfaction and, uh, and absolutely will not bring joy into your life. You know, it's funny. We talk about, uh, not to cut you off, I want you yes. to keep down this track. I love it. Uh, but we talk a lot in Club Wealth about no success in the world can compensate for failure in the home. And I think I think people hear that, and I think it resonates with a lot of people, but I also think that, I think people misunderstand that. Mm-hmm. And I think that what that a lot of times I think people think, well, that, that, you know, that we're saying that they shouldn't be successful or that, you know, it's not okay to make a lot of money. And, and that's not what we're saying here. We're not saying it's not okay to make a lot of money. And what we're saying is you, and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Doug, but I really, I believe what you're saying is, you know, you've got to have that balance. You've got to, you've got to understand that there are things that are more important than money. Money is also important. You got to have money to pay your bills. You got to have money to pay the mortgage, buy food, all that kind of stuff. Money is a necessary thing in our world today. Um, and certainly we want to build wealth. We want to get to a point where like Doug, we're, where we have the opportunity to get out of the rat race, right? What does that really mean? It means like for Doug, his passive investments uh, kick off more money each month than his expenses each month. So literally all Doug's got to do, if he wants to make more money next year, he'll just raise rents, 
right? And, and he'll make more money next year. Is it that easy for most of us? You know, how many of you watching right now can just say, well, all I got to do is, you know, keep collecting what I'm getting and I don't ever have to work again. And if I want to make more, you know, then I'll just raise rents a little bit. Um, that's, that's not something that most people can say. And what we want is we want to help position you to get there so that with your time, you can spend your time with the things that are more important, helping other people, spending time with your family, leaving a legacy that's greater than just look at all the money I made because nobody cares. And frankly, you know, and, and I know this sounds cliche, but you know, obviously you can't take it with you, but what you can do is you can leave behind a legacy of, the people whose lives you impacted are continually impacting the lives of others in positive and, lo- and lasting ways. And, and that has perpetuated itself long after you're gone. That's a legacy, right? Just leaving your kids a little extra money. That's not a legacy. No, <laughs> no. I mean. In fact, I, I used to live, well, I shouldn't say I'm still living in the same spot. Most of you maybe don't know who John Paul Getty is. John Paul Getty was at one time, the wealthiest oil man in the United States. In fact, one of the wealthiest in the world. His great-granddaughter lived right across the street from us. She got, uh, she was a trust fund baby. Her house was trashed. Uh, Eventually, they, they carted her off and her children because of drugs. Uh, They, they literally, he left a legacy for his children and grandchildren that they didn't have to, to, to be contributors to society anymore. And, and that's not a good thing either. And there again, that's what riches do. When we get back to wealth and what true wealth is, wealth is blessing the lives of others. So wealth is really about what you can do for others. Riches are really about what you can do for yourself. And uh, I see Brian typing. Are you typing that in the chat right now, Brian? Because I love that one. No, I, I do like it. So, and, and Doug, you know, here's the thing that's interesting. You and I have spoken a lot, and, uh, you know, I really appreciate what you bring to the table. Um, it, let me say this. Let's break this down to a little bit more simplistic. Um, you know, there are people on this who are listening to this who have anywhere from a dollar in the bank to probably millions of dollars in the bank. So, you know, let's let's start, if you don't mind, just with some of those people who are maybe on that, you know, maybe they're making 100 grand a year. Maybe they're getting to the point where all of a sudden, you know, they started real estate and they were making 20, 30 grand a year and all of a sudden they got 100 grand. They, they, a couple of things happened. They didn't realize that, that, oh, by the way, you got moved into a different tax bracket and all those things are gone. But, you know, what do we say to these people? Where, where do we start to say, because... I'm 100% sure I know the answer when is the best time to start is yesterday, but that's hard. But so let's at least start today. So, you know, where do we start for somebody like that? If you're on this call and you have no plan to become wealthy, but you'd like to be wealthy, you have no plan for retirement, you have no plan for any of these things, you know, where do you suggest somebody like that start? Is somebody who's gone from zero to 100 and back down to zero and back up to 100? And, you know, where do we start? And I think that's an important place for, for people to look at. Yeah, so that's that's important. We're and, and I'm getting to that. And I, I love I love what you said about a plan. If you do not have a plan, you plan to fail. Period. Everybody has a plan. You're either gonna you're either gonna plan uh, plan out your future or the future's gonna plan to fail you. That's that's the way it, that's the way it works. So. This is where it gets a little bit dicey for some people, all right? Because when I start talking about budgeting, 
then people's eyes gloss over and oh, I don't, I don't want to have to live on a budget. The problem with that is that if you do not live on a budget, you are not planning to create wealth. All yep. you're doing is planning dinner for tonight. Well, and I'll say this though, everyone lives on a budget. It's just that not everybody knows what those numbers are. You're living on a budget, whether you want to or not, you're spending X number of dollars and maybe X goes like this, but you're doing it. The difference between those people who have some success in saving some money and creating some wealth is they actually pay attention to it. So you're on a budget. It just may not be a good one. Uh, you, you, your budget may be a, fa a, a fail right off the bat. So right. you're right. Yeah. Are you designing your budget or did it design your lifestyle? <laughs> exactly. And, and that brings up an important point because like Brian said, what happens is that you will spend every dime that you make. That's our human nature. That's why we have to plan for our future and not let our future plan for us. That's the problem. Um, so typically what I do is, is I set people up right off the bat with a 30-70 budget. And when I talk about a 30-70 budget, I'm, that, that 30 is what I call sacred funds, and the 70 is what you have to live on, all right? And I always tell people, because believe me, I counsel with, with people that make millions of dollars a year, and I counsel with people that make $30,000 a year. And I can tell you the people that make $30,000 a year are happier. <laughs> they don't have all of the, 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 the problems. They don't have all of the, 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 the debt, you know? I mean, I, I have people that will come to me and say, Doug, I got a $5,000 credit card. I think I need to take out bankruptcy. <laughs> I'm like, no, no, that's not happening. You know, and yet I, I work with, with doctors that make millions of dollars a year and they're only one paycheck away from bankruptcy, they've got they've got ten thousand dollar house payments. They've got three thousand dollar car payments. You know because they haven't planned. Once again, they've learned to live off everything that they make, thinking that they're they're invincible and that they will be able to continue that up until the time they retire. And then what? Nobody looks at that far ahead. And I always tell people, you know. When you got out of high school or college and decided to start your career, you were living off of ramen noodles and riding a bike. Now, I'm not expecting that everybody or a family of five is, you know, sitting down to ramen noodles every night and everybody gets out and heads to work and school on bikes. But there's always a happy medium. So let's get back to this 30-70 budget. 30% the first 30% of everything you make should go to what I call sacred funds. 10% right off the top goes to charitable contributions. Mm -hmm. Why is that? Because it puts you in a frame of mind that you're, that you're going to help others first. And if you always do that, it puts you into a mindset where, where it brings great joy and happiness into your home. Um, and a lot of people say, well, I can't afford that. Well, maybe you can't right now, but let's get you in a position where you can. The second 10% should go on to pay off debt that is not enabling you to do the first, okay? 
once that once your debt is paid off or paid down, then that 10% goes to uh, your investment fund. Okay? The third 10% goes to an emergency fund. Now, when I talk about emergency fund, I'm not talking that, hey, uh, JC Penney's is having a sale. Oh boy, that's an emergency. I've got to buy while it's on sale. That is not an emergency. Um, your emergencies are things that come up that are life-threatening, that uh, are uh, have a magnitude that could be life-changing. And a lot of people say, well, um, okay, I've built my, my uh, reserves. Now what I do with it? That reserves then at that point should go into your investment budget as well. So you're still living on a, on a 30, 70 budget, but now you're paying 20% into your investments. Now the 70% goes to everything else. How do you calculate what everything else is? I suggest that you start with a, a two week trial period where, where you write down everything that you spend. If you stop at, uh, at Circle K or 7-Eleven and buy a candy bar and a Coke, you need to keep that receipt and you need to, to make sure that that goes uh, onto the things that you're spending. Because you'd be surprised at how many holes we develop and people don't realize how much money gets spent in free cash in your pocket. You know, you're going through, you, you, you have all of these, these uh, uh, you walk through a mall and you have all of these sales coming and hitting you and you think, oh, you know what? Well, I better get this or better get that. The problem is is that uh, that type of spending will destroy your budget and destroy your future faster than anything. You need to plan for that. Then you come back after your two-week period. I actually like to, to do a one-month trial period, but a lot of people can't stay focused that long. So we've cut it down to two weeks so that you get a better idea. You need to separate out what your, what your spending uh, habits are uh, versus what your, your hard costs are. And when I'm talking hard costs, I'm talking about rent or house payment, car payment, medical bills, um, your utility payments, all of those payments, insurance payments, all those payments that, that, are, that are happening uh, one at a time you know, or monthly, those go into a separate category than your, than your spending accounts. Um, those obviously have to be taken care of before your spending needs. And then start you know, building a budget. You put X number of dollars towards clothing. You put X number of dollars towards gifts. And, and you save the, these things in those accounts. And, and a lot of people will open up separate accounts at the bank so that they can keep track of all of these. Now, in real estate, it becomes so important because everybody knows that, that you might go one or two months without, making, uh, without selling something and earning a commission. So a budget becomes ever uh, so much more important because you take everything that you earned from the previous year and that becomes your income amount. So you build your, in, your budget off of what your income is at the end of the day, once you've put in all of your spending accounts, you know, your, your household uh, repairs, your 
your food, um, your clothing, your gifts, your entertainment. Those all should be budgets that you spend for. And say, people say, well, Doug, what about if I want to go on vacation? If you want to budget in a vacation, do so. But budget it in and don't put it on a credit card and pay for it after the fact. Because you're going to pay for it. If you spend $3,000 on a vacation, you're going to spend $5,000 paying for that vacation if you put it on a credit card and pay it off over time. I got to tell you, this, you're bringing up a really hot point for me. You know, we talk, and, and, and I catch a lot of flack for this. I'm looking for you to defend me a little <laughs> yeah. bit on this, Doug. So, and Brian, I hope, I'm, I'm hoping you'll go to bat for me in this one, too. I don't know. Maybe you will. Maybe you'll, maybe you'll uh, totally disagree with me. I don't know. But I, I always say, if you can't afford to pay cash for it, you shouldn't be driving it, right? And <laughs> I tell you. A lot of people don't agree with that. A lot of people feel like, oh no, you know, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to buy the car on payments and I'm going to take the money and I'm going to invest it in something else. And, and the reality is they don't. They don't do it. Uh, no, they, they, they say they will, but they freaking never do. Yeah. And the reality is when they, when they especially let's, let's talk about leases for a minute. You yeah. want to talk about a trap. You want to talk about, you know, you know, financial indentured servitude, you know, go get a lease. Right. And, and, you know, it's, and, and don't get me wrong. Are there times where a lease could make sense? Maybe, but for the vast majority of watching this, the answer is no. Right. Uh, and, and, and same thing with just buying cars on finance or on, on credit. Now, that being said, I started in this business and I, cause I get a lot of flack from people that say, Oh, you know, um, you know, I need to drive a really nice car for real estate. Got to have a Mercedes, got to have a BMW. And I'm just like, no, you don't. I, you know, first of all, I started off in real estate. I had a bunch of $500 cars that didn't last me very long, right? They broke pretty frequently, but it got me through until I could afford to, to pay for a, a, a new car in cash, at which point all of a sudden I started actually saving money because I wasn't spending so much money on maintenance and all this other stuff. Uh, but I'll tell you guys, when we ran the number one team in the country, I was literally driving a 1998 Toyota 4Runner with over 200,000 miles on it, and people didn't care. So I don't know. What are your thoughts, Doug? No, I, I and I agree for 90% of the people. That's yeah. the way it is. There's going to be a few people that can that can get get away with doing a lease, but I put 35,000 miles a year on my car. Do you know what kind of a lease that you, when you go to turn that car in, you're hammered. Yep. I mean, you might as well have bought the car to begin with. And then some. Oh, I mean, it's yeah. going to cost you more than it would have to buy it in yeah, the first abs place. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. So. And, and not only that, here's the real, the, what I feel like is the big trap with this is that people go out and they get this mm -hmm. lease and, you know, because it's affordable right now, mm -hmm. right? And they're thinking about today dollars. And it's what's interesting, you know, there's a book by Thomas Stanley um, called the, the Millionaire Next Door. Yeah, one of the best books I, I feel ever written. And Thomas talks about, you know, wealthy people are less first cost sensitive and more long-term cost sensitive. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I think about that and I think, okay, if I'm really truly long-term cost sensitive, I'm going to be a lot more careful about uh, making sure that, that instead of getting into this lease that's cheap today, I'm looking at what's my long-term cost for this? What's my overall cost over the life of yeah. this car? Um, and I'm really looking for, hey, look, I want to have the lowest cost per mile driven possible mm -hmm. in a car that's nice enough for me to at least feel good about what I'm driving so that I have the confidence I need to do my job. Yeah. Um, so. so with that being said, I have both bought cars for cash and there are occasionally times when I buy a car and put it on time. The reason is, is because if I can get an interest rate 
that is 3% or less, hey, I got no problems with financing a car. The but you also invest a lot of money at a lot higher interest rate. Yeah. And so for you, it makes sense, yeah. but keep going, I'm sorry. Yeah. But unless you understand those principles, then it's probably not a good idea until you get to that point. Here's one of my piggyback because I, I think that, that I think that's something that people miss and I it's not that buying a car cash is the only way to do it because it's not to your point you know my I'll, I'll be honest my car is financed at 1.9 percent interest rate uh, why would I do that I mean I can't borrow you know 10 years from now I'm gonna be able to borrow money at 1.9 probably not so I'm doing that it makes sense for me um, I, I do think if you're a real estate agent and you are not and you're driving so little that you can lease a car you're doing something wrong because you know how do you drive a car 12,000 miles a year and be a real estate agent someone teach me that I'd love to learn that because that sounds like a lot more fun than what I've done in the last <laughs> few years. but here's the thing people listen to the first part of that conversation and then they forget the second part of the first part of the conversation is look I can borrow money at 1.9% of course I should do that and I actually agree with that the problem is they forgot the second part where you say I borrowed this money at 1.9% now I can go and invest this money at 7 8 9 12 15 that's the part that they forget or they incur other debt you know that, you know, 15, 20, 30% on credit cards. I mean, I, I run everything in my business through a credit card because I like points. But let me say this, every single month that gets paid off. It's not, it's just, a, it's a conduit. And there's a difference between something being a conduit and something being a place, well, I'll just borrow 15, $20,000 for six, seven months. Because to your point, I just paid double what it cost for me to go on vacation or for me, you know, to eat a burger at McDonald's just cost me $17. Well, that's kind of ridiculous. So anyway, it's a, it's a big full picture. And I think that's one of the things that people miss. You know, two things on that, Brian, first of all, and what's interesting is he talks about McDonald's, right? Yeah. And first of all, it's interesting just to hear Brian talking about McDonald's because, you know. <laughs> we know <laughs> he kidding. does not eat at McDonald's. Not but, very often. But once yeah, exactly. every two months, just to remember why I don't eat there. <laughs> exactly. That's right. But what's interesting, Brian, and I, and I think you would agree with this, it's interesting to me that people would be vehemently opposed to and offended by spending $17 on a burger at McDonald's. And yet, they have no problem spending, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars extra on their car simply because it gets them what they want right now instead of delaying some of that gratification. Uh, and so again, this is, I don't want you guys to think that this whole show today is about cars and all this stuff. Really what we're talking about is, you know, it, it kind of comes back to a, a phrase that I heard a long time ago. And that is those that understand interest earn it. Those that don't pay it. And, you know, we really need to understand the difference and we need to know that, look, if I'm going to do this, then I have to invest that additional money somewhere else. Like, you know, so if I'm going to go buy a car on a, on a lease or whatever, or, and I, I would never do that. Let me back up. If I'm going to buy a car on payments, then I'm going to take the cash I would have spent on the car. First of all, I'm going to make sure I have that cash so that at any point in time I can pay it off. Now I'm going to take that cash and I'm going to invest it in something that gives me a, a good rate of return on that investment that is far above and beyond the interest rate that I'm paying for that car. Uh, well, then in a sense, what's happening is you're allowing your investment to pay off that car. Right. Exactly. Yeah. What's that, Brian? 
At least partially. I mean, let's yeah, face it, yeah. unless you're getting a 30% investment, that's another delusion that people have. I'm making 8% over here. I'm paying 2% over here. That's not covering the cost of that car. No. It's offsetting it, and it's a smart way to invest it. But look at the real numbers, and that's another thing that people do. They, they tell themselves these lies. So it's rational lies. You know, the word rationalize is rational lies. It makes sense. I can rationalize it. It's still a lie. So, you know, be careful about that. Get with somebody. You know, if this is not your expertise, if you're not nerdy like me and can sit and do the math, I can't spell my own name, but I can do the math. If that's not you, get with somebody like Doug. Get with a financial account. Get with somebody who can say to you, look, you're doing this wrong. Do this. Trust those people. Just like, you know, I don't take pictures of the houses that I list. Why? Because I'm a crappy photographer. If you're a crappy financial person, get a good financial person. I think that's one of the things that, that needs to be said more often than not. Yeah, I totally agree, Brian. And so, guys, here's the thing. Do me a favor. I'd love for everybody to type in. For just, I'm just curious, what kind of car do you drive? And, and, and I'm not asking to criticize anybody or anything like that. I'm just curious. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, like, I'm curious what kind of car most real estate agents are driving. I don't think that there's, I mean, I know there's some Mercedes and BMWs out there, but I also think there's a lot of Toyotas and a lot of, you know, a lot of Chevys and a lot of Fords. And, and uh, I'm just curious, just if you, if you're comfortable sharing it, type into your screen, what kind of car do you drive? Just, I'm, I'm just curious about that. So go ahead, Doug. So you talk about that. Uh, back in the, in 2007, uh, we knew how good the market was because they opened up a Hummer dealership uh, just down the street from our office. And 50% of the real estate agents in the Valley all were driving Hummers. Really? So, oh, I mean, it was just. It but it's Idaho. Like, I mean, isn't that kind of a, a thing? Like you have to, if you're going to live in Idaho. Nobody you have needs to, a Hummer. No? Nobody yeah. needs a Hummer. <laughs> Most practical vehicle ever created. The H H one or H two that that it was cool, but it was most impractical vehicle. <laughs> Talk about a gas guzzler. I mean, you certainly didn't need that to go out and show property in our neighborhood. That's for darn sure. Okay, I gotta know. Did anybody has anybody watching ever owned a Hummer? I mean, I, I thought I always thought they're cool. I never owned one, but I always thought they were really cool, and I always wanted to own one. Uh, but uh, that's so funny. I love it. Lenore's like minivan. I drive what works for my family not to impress anyone i love that that's nice. awesome that's look awesome. at all these cars we got yeah. hondas we got nissans we got priuses cadillacs now speaking of priuses i was shocked just the other day jesse zagorski uh when i traded his prius in for a tesla i'm like <laughs> and the payments are the same yeah and i'm like what that's uh, pretty crazy. And there's more to that story too jesse told me and I, hopefully his wife isn't watching she'll get mad at us but uh <laughs> sorry jesse he said the main reason he got that tesla is so that he can drive down the road and work so, yeah. Oh, look at this. Ken Kratz is watching. I love Ken. He's he's awesome. He's like, I, I had an H2, 180,000 hassle-free miles. Best car ever. <laughs> Andy Kahn says H3. Check it out. We got Janet Smith's husband owns a Hummer. Holy cow. Hey, we're, not, we're not laughing at you. You're We're laughing with you. Well, I'm <laughs> laughing because I didn't realize there are that many people in real estate that own a Hummer, but no. apparently there's a ton. Like, you know, like, a hey, cool car, right? Yeah. So. And I and, and full disclosure, I do own a Mercedes, but it's paid for. So okay, further disclosure. Last time I saw Doug in his Mercedes, there was a bag of chicken feet in the back seat. True story, not even joking. Well, I'm here with you today. If you went and checked my back seat, there would still be a bag of chicken feet. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny you know and, and guys that's a really interesting question uh you know what how do you use your car like what's what's the purpose for your car what's the 
what's the reason for having a car? And you know, it's funny. Uh, I can't remember who it was. Somebody, some really uber rich person uh, was asked, oh man, it's some famous person. And maybe you guys know, if you know the answer to this, type it in. Uh, but they were asked, you know, well, you know, why don't you own a Mercedes or a, a you know, a BMW or something like that? And this guy's like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Why would I throw a bunch of, of you know, if I, when I go fishing, why would I throw all these dead fish in the back of a Mercedes? That makes no sense at all. That's why I've got a pickup truck. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. So, all right, let's get back to wealth creation. Okay, so getting back to the budget, because it's it's very important to make sure that all of your your spending, all of your your uh, hard costs plus mm -hmm. your 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 um, ancillary uh, spending goes into that 70%. If it doesn't, you need to start paying down using that uh, using your investment fund to begin with to pay down that debt. Uh, and you do what's called the snowball effect. You start mm -hmm. with the very smallest bill that you, that you have and you pay that off. And then you take that and you roll that same payment into another, uh, what, your next smallest payment. Don't worry about interest rates at this point. Don't worry about everything. The reason we tell you to start with your smallest and work your way up is because the progress happens in, in and can bring joy to you knowing that it happens and you're more likely to stay on track than to, to tackle a big one and keep paying all these small ones. Well, and then and the other thing too is the key here is you guys got to roll that payment. So if I'm already paying, you know, a hundred dollars a month on my lowest card or whatever, I've got to keep paying that hundred dollars a month, even long after that card is exactly. paid off yeah. on the next one. And on the next one, the key here is guys get debt free. Let me tell you there is, that's, you know what Ashley just mentioned, it was the millionaire next door that had the fish in the truck story. Thank you for that. You're right about that. Um, but you guys, here's the key. The key is when you get debt free, you have freedom. You feel better. You're, you're able to do other things. Co Coach Case Nakanauer is another mm -hmm. great example yeah. of this. Here's a guy that literally could retire right now if he, if he wanted to, right? Uh, but why is that? Because he's kept his living expenses low. He got debt free and they're able to live on less than his wife makes as a teacher. And everything that he makes, he's investing. That's, that's actually true too. Yeah. yeah. So that's right. I mean, it, it, it's amazing how that works. And that's what I want to get back to. On this 30-70 budget, your goal is not to live on a 30-70 budget for the rest of your life. Your goal is to eventually convert that from a 30-70 budget to a 40-60 budget, a 50-50 budget, a 60-40 budget, and then a 70-30 budget. In other words, you're investing, you know, you're still paying your 10% your to charity, right? You've got your your emergency fund funded now. That means that literally in a in a 70-30 budget, that 60% of your income is going towards investments. And you're living off of 30% of the income that you bring in. And the other 10? You've still got 10% that goes to, uh, in, that's still your sacred funds, and that still goes to charitable contributions. And we don't care what charitable contribution that is, right? Figure out what's right for you in terms of where you're going to give. Like Doug and I, we're both Mormon guys, LDS guys, right? So we, we give 10% tithing to the church. For you, it might be the sell a home, save a child. It might be, uh, it doesn't matter, whatever charity, whatever, whatever you feel is a worthy cause, 
The key here is you're giving back selflessly to an organization or to a cause that you believe in that is for the greater good and not for your own personal benefit. And let me tell you, the windows of heaven open up when you do this, you guys. It really does unlock blessings for you in your life that cannot be unlocked in any other way. Um, but it only comes by truly selflessly giving. In fact, I'd be really interested, uh, for those of you that are, that are on right now, I would love for you to, if you're comfortable, just type in what charities are, you don't have to say how much, I'm just curious, what charities are you giving to? What worthy causes are you giving to? I'm really curious as to what we're doing in the industry. There's so many great causes out there. Type it in. I want to see what some of those are. Um, now, that being said, I have to run here in a second, so I'm going to let Brian and Doug wrap this up. Uh, they're going to need to end at two minutes to the hour uh, so that we can start the coach's call right after this. But, Doug, I got to, first of all, I want to thank you, and I'm really excited. Doug's going to be at Listing Agent Boot Camp uh, in San Antonio, Texas, uh, here in April. And so if you guys haven't already done so, I'm going to type in the link here, uh, www.clubwealth.com forward slash L-A-B-C. And uh, that's for listing. Oh, I got to get this written in here properly. Listing agent boot camp. And if you have not already purchased your tickets, I got to tell you, we have sold way more tickets uh, oh, hold on. Uh, we've sold way more tickets to the event this year already than we did last year. Uh, hey, there you go. Allison Silverman mentions KW Cares, uh, and that's uh, Keller Williams. That's a great mm -hmm. charity. They do a lot of good stuff. Uh, Pine Pantry, I've never heard of that one. I'll have to take a look. Oh, uh, it's, oh it's local. Okay, that's cool. I got it. Uh, but anyway, that being said, you guys, you need to get signed up for Listing Agent Bootcamp. We have fewer seats available at this one because the venue is smaller than we had in Colorado. Um, and so it's going to sell out sooner than Listing Agent Bootcamp sold out in Colorado. And so far, all of our events have sold out. So please, please, please get your ticket ordered. And by the way, they're, they're more affordable now. They'll be going up in price by $100 a ticket here pretty soon. Uh, so make sure you get signed up for that. Last thing I need to mention, just by way of crossing T's and dot and I's before these two keep going on the wealth creation piece, um, is don't forget to check out WiseHire. They're our sponsor. They're the ones that make this show possible. Uh, and yes, Coach Andy, I agree. The uh, Listing Engine Bootcamp is going to be amazing. We're, dude, we're throwing everything but the kitchen. In fact, we're throwing the kitchen sink at it this time. Um, we've got, in fact, Brian was at a Tony Robbins event recently, and he came back and he says, Michael, this was the best speaker at Tony Robbins event. We need to get her for one of our events. She's speaking at Listing Engine Bootcamp. Oh, and by the way, we've got two other super high-powered speakers that are outside the industry that are high-paid speakers that we've brought in as well. This, I'm telling you, you guys, this is going to be the event everybody's going to be talking about all year long. Don't end up with FOMO. Make sure you get your ticket. Make sure you get to the event. And make sure you get signed up for VIP. So that being said, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass it back to these guys. But you guys, seriously, I want you to – the last thing I want to share, my final thought, and, and then back to you guys, is you need to be building wealth. Forget about riches, you guys. We'll teach you how to make a ton of money. We're all about helping you make a ton of money. That said, you need to build wealth. And there's no excuse. I don't care where you're at in your life. I don't care how much or how little you make. I don't care how much or how little debt you have. None of that matters if you take small steps every single day to work toward building real wealth so that you can leave a greater legacy than just a few extra bucks to your kids. You want to be able to help people all over the world uh, or wherever it is that you're focused. So that being said, awesome. Coach Doug, Coach Brian, take it away. Thank you guys so much. And if you just want to bring us, that'd be awesome. Okay. So I, I think, Brian, we've got about five minutes, really, to, to kind of wind this thing up. Absolutely. And 
I apologize that that we didn't have more time to go into the budgeting process. However, what I want you to you know because this is the problem. Everybody wants to start immediately with investing, and you just cannot do that. The problem is is that if you do not live on a on a monthly budget, in especially with the real estate income, how it goes up and down and up and down. That's why we set up a budget because if you've got accounts set aside for all of these various things that you that, that you need to spend your money on, if you make $10,000 one month and $4,000 the next month, the next month you make nothing and then the next month you make 30,000. If you set it up over a, a year long budget based upon last year's uh, results, if you're killing it this year, all of that excess can be put into your into your uh, investment account. And then when we start talking about investments and everybody wants, that's, that's what everybody wants to jump to when they call me. They're like, okay, Doug, where do I start investing? Well, first of all, let's see if you can afford to invest. Most people don't even know whether or not they can afford it to invest because they have no clue as to where they're at because they're not following a budget. They're They're allowing, their income to dictate to them what they can do from month to month. Absolutely. You don't have to do that. No, and, and here's the, and here's a further point. I, I have conversations with agents. My, I have two interview questions that, that I use very specifically that I think are important to this concept. The first question is what's the minimum amount of money that you need to make? And honestly, majority of the people I talk to will say something like 30, $40,000. And then I'll ask the next question, well, how much do you want to make? Well, I want to make a hundred thousand dollars. Okay, great. Now let me ask you this. What do you do with the other 50 or $60,000? And the problem is most people don't know the answer to that. And my response to them is that's why you're not going to get it. Yeah. So you do what Doug is suggesting, which is sitting down and okay, I'll create my budget for today. And then I want to invest X number of dollars a month. There's a Y right there. Just because now I know that I want to invest $4,000 a month, which means that I need to make about $6,000 more than I'm making because you got it just because you make that money doesn't mean you don't have to pay taxes on it. So, you know, those are a great way. All those people out there who are going, I don't have a why, I don't have a reason. Come up with your budget like Doug is talking about. And then let's talk about the fun things that we can do. And I'm not talking about buying boats and cars and houses. I'm talking about setting aside so that you can be sitting across from Doug and, and saying, Hey, I don't have to work either. So anyway, I cut you off there. Keep going. Doug. Well, no, I mean, that's the beautiful thing. The problem is, is that we live in an impatient society. We are impatient. We want to be where our parents were, you know, immediately. I, don't, I, I, I see that all the time. Young kids that I'm talking to, uh, I'm working with a young man now and, he, and, and his dad owns a very successful business and he doesn't know what he wants to do with his life. And, he, and I say, what do you want to do? And he says, well, I want to do what my dad does. Okay, well, you know what? I helped put your dad in business. I know what it takes. I know what it took him. I can't tell you the number of hours that we counseled together when he thought the, the, the uh, world was coming apart, when he couldn't afford to do things. The problem is, is that we want instant gratification. And there's no such thing as instant gratification if you want to create true wealth. It's, it's methodical, it's consistent, and it's steady. You've got to, you've got to, to, to realize that over time is how you, how you create wealth in your life. 
I tell people all the time, every time I buy a, 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 a rental property that people just, Oh, that I don't, man, I, I just can't do that. I, I don't trust somebody else in it or whatnot. I said, look, every time I buy a rental property, it's like buying a 401k. I contribute. I, I, and I tell them if, if I, if I came to you and said, look, give me 10 grand and I will contribute X number of dollars back to you for the rest of your life. How many of you would do it? Everybody's hands goes up. That's what a rental property is. You put the initial down to buy it and then you let somebody else pay for it. And when it's paid off, they'll continue to pay for that property until the day you die. Somebody else has bought that, is paying off that 401k for you. And not only are they paying it off, but you're going to get payments in perpetuity. And in the real estate business like we're in, there's tax advantages that nobody else can get. Absolutely. So if, if that isn't one of your number one investment goals, because you, you have fear of taking care of it, I, let me tell you something. I don't manage any of my, my residential properties. I have a residential property management company that takes care of everything. My instructions to them are, I want the rents increased once a year. And if I ever get a homeowner that calls me, you're fired. Good. That's a good baseline for them. Yeah, absolutely. So Doug, we got less than a minute left. Um, I'm, I'll finish my final thoughts and then I'll let you close up. Actually, I'll let you go first and I'll, then I'll, then I'll close this out. So, well, people always say, when's the best time to start? Just like you said in the beginning, Brian, yesterday. Absolutely. So with that in mind, you know, there's, there's people on this call who have maybe even more investments than Doug, more investments than me. And those people, congratulations. Um, there's also people on this call who have never even thought about investing. Let me say this. If you have these questions, if you have these concerns, reach out to Club Wealth, reach out to Michael, reach, and we'll put you together with Doug. I'm not sure the exact process. That's not my department, but I promise you, we'll get you something that you need. Take those opportunities. It's a great opportunity to talk to someone who's been down here, up here, down here, and now is up here again. You know, be a wise person, learn from Doug's mistakes and let him teach you. That's a, it's a valuable, valuable resource. With that in mind, I will finish Club Wealth. Let everyone know there's a beast inside you waiting to get out and just go ahead and release that beast today. Thanks everybody for watching. Everybody have an awesome day and we'll see you next week.